Hello and welcome to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome to our viewers, our listeners on the radio and on our podcast. Today we'll be talking about Erie Insurance, their long-awaited move-in to the brand new Thomas B. Hagen building, and their ongoing and significant investments in downtown Erie in so many ways. So with me today is Tim Nicastro, CEO and President of Erie Insurance. It's great to have you back. And uh, on the cusp of this moment where employees can finally move into the new $146 million Thomas B. Hagen building. How exciting is that? It's been very long awaited, uh, very well anticipated. And Lisa, honestly, um, when we've had opportunities as the pandemic has calmed down a bit, I've been uh, bringing people through the building to get them excited to come back to work. And I have to say uh, to, a, to a man and a woman, everybody that uh, has been through the building is very excited to come back to downtown. Well, I have to say, I had the privilege of walking through last week before this interview, and it really is a very impressive and innovative space. Explain why Erie Insurance has been so cautious on the return to in-person work. I mean, most of us have been back to work in person for a while, and then tell us about this plan to move in. Sure. So, Lisa, we, we initially set our priorities really on wanting to make sure we're assuring the health and safety of our employees, and so that has been our top priority. And really, until we saw the numbers come down, uh, it was important for us to protect them. And honestly, as we moved to that hybrid environment, uh, or to, to the remote environment, we found that our productivity was un, you know, unfazed, and in fact, in many cases, had improved. And so uh, the, the urgency to come back was not as, as strong. Uh, so what, what we're experiencing now, though, and, and really in concert with the healthcare uh, providers in Erie, uh, with, with Dr. Clark uh, and with David Gibbons, uh, we've been collaborating with them all along, and we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to create a strain on the healthcare system, and so that was another important consideration for us. But I would say that that uh, not universally, but many of our employees are very anxious uh, to come out of their homes and get back into into the office environment, and so we're very excited to be able to welcome back to this really fantastic space that we've created. Yes, as you as you speak, we are seeing uh, the features the water feature in the beautiful lobby, two-story lobby there. We're seeing all the collaborative spaces here. Uh, again, as I walk through, there's incredible art that's been acquired, but a lot of interesting spaces for uh, collaboration and also a great color scheme. And then there's a kitchen on every floor, a grab-and-go cafeteria on one of the floors. Uh, what excites you most about this building? I really think that, you know, you mentioned the collaboration space and the way people have worked uh, over the past several years has really changed. Uh, the days of sitting in a cubicle all day long or in an office all day long, uh, calling people in for meetings and things like that are really kind of behind us. Uh, people today want to work in an environment that feels homey to them and where organic conversations can occur. So the building itself has 1,300 workstations and or offices. So 1,300 employees could be have their permanent station there. What I'm really excited about is within the building, somewhere between six and 800 people could also work in the collaborative spaces. And we, we started that type of a uh, um, environment in our, our legacy buildings, in our Perry Square building, and even in the armory when we redid the armory on 6th and Parade. And it really has taken off. And more and more we're seeing people just out in the open there meeting with one another. And so in the collaborative space, we have the ability to connect People, uh, all the technology is built into those tables that you see, and people can can work as if they're at their desk, but be working across from one another throughout the entire day. Yeah, I, I particularly liked those sort of pods. I think we saw them. They look very space age, where you can <laughs> plug in your laptop and look out the window at just great views of downtown. 
other parts of your campus there. And I, you know, as we talked during the pandemic, you were so committed to getting back to in-person work because of how work happens as you walk through the building or get on the elevator or walk to your car. But you have learned a lot here during the pandemic, but you are Erie's largest employer. So I'm sure bringing that many people together in one space uh, did have you concerned. So do you feel comfortable now and you're gonna do this in small groups? Yeah, we, you know, we're an insurance company, so we're gonna be abundantly cautious. Uh, I'll just start with that statement. Uh, we we uh, surveyed the employees, uh, the survey ended last Friday, uh, and we, we identified uh, the number of employees who want to come back on a voluntary basis. It's actually more than we can bring back all at once. And so we're going to bring them back in stages uh, starting in about two weeks, starting in mid-April. And we'll, we'll, you know, it'll be a kind of a, a trial and error in a lot of ways. We don't know what this is going to look like. We knew what it looked like before the pandemic. We know what it looks like during the pandemic. But now this hybrid environment that's going to occur with people coming and going and having greater flexibility in, in the way that they do their work uh, will pose some issues for us that we can't even anticipate today. And in some respects, it's, it's you know, maybe you could say it's a little bit makes us nervous, but it's also exciting. Uh, we're creating a new way of working uh, for our employees, and our employees are committed to the company. We have all the right stuff to make this work, but we want to be deliberate, and we want to make sure we're, we're, we're uh, accounting for all those things that, frankly, we just can't account for until we start to do it. So what will it be like, for instance, if you and I are, are coworkers and, and uh, we're working on a project together, and you're in the office some days, and I'm in the office other days, and how will we connect, and will we have difficulty connecting and getting our work done? And, and just multiply that by 100. Many of our teams are 100 or more people working on different programs. So how will that all the comings and goings work? Uh, and we work for different bosses. So there are things that we just need to work our way through to make sure that we don't disrupt our service levels, don't disrupt the programs we have underway, and really make sure the experience is good for our employees. Yes, you're going to be kind of feeling your way as you go along here. So 3,100 employees here in Erie, but 6,000 in, in the whole company. So already there's people in other cities that you collaborate with all the time. Absolutely. You know, our claims adjusters uh, for 97 years have worked remotely. They've worked out of their homes and out of their automobiles. So we know that the remote environment and that, that this hybrid environment is something that we can deal with. But the extent to which it's going to be hybrid is going to be far greater than it was prior to the pandemic. And so... It is a bit of an experiment. Uh, we're very excited that we, we have a, a good reception to the volunteer crew that's going to be coming in, uh, and they're excited to come back to work. So. so we're talking about how modern the building is, uh, but there are some nods to the history of Erie Insurance here with the Hurt Family Home featured in the lobby and a fascinating wall of all Pennsylvania license plates. I, I had fun taking a look at this here in the lobby. There's really a lot of history there as well. So. Do you have customers that come into the building too? I mean, will there be other people who can enjoy some of these things? Yes. I mean, so Lisa, we know that there's a lot of public interest in the building and really starting with our employees and then our retirees, we'll get people into the building to allow them to see it. Uh, we'll host events in there where the public will be welcome, welcome to come. Uh, this exhibit, the license plates, uh, the first license plates in Pennsylvania were in 1906. And we have a license plate from every year from then forward. We also have, a, I think you saw in the background there, a, 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 an automobile sitting in the lobby. That was an automobile owned by our founder, H.O. Hurt. And it's, it's rumored that H.O. was such a horrible driver that that was the reason that he started an insurance company because <laughs> nobody else would insure him. It's uh, a big car. It is a big car. Yeah. It's fun to look at. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the war for talent as after the pandemic, it seems some people don't want to work. So we'll talk about how Erie Insurance is approaching that. Stay with us.
I'm Lisa Adams, and welcome back to The Insider. We are talking with Erie Insurance President and CEO Tim Nicastro. is the Fortune 500 company whose biggest employer gets ready to move into that new building. So let's talk about the war for talent. What makes the culture you unique at Erie Insurance and how you're approaching this process of finding and keeping good talent? Sure, Lisa, the formula is kind of a, a tried and true formula that we've, we've uh, embraced for a very long time. Uh, we focus on the long term. We want our employees to be taken care of while they're, while they're working with us, to earn a good salary, to have good benefits, et cetera. Uh, we fund 93% of the health care for our employees, for instance. Uh, we're one of a very few, a handful of companies in the Fortune 500 that offer both a 401k and a pension plan. But you mentioned the culture, and that's really the bedrock of the organization. Our company is a company that, that really the number one priority for us is to do the right thing. That means taking care of our employees. It means taking care of our customers. It means having great relationships within the company and, and having a, a group of independent agents who choose to sell us over all the other companies that they could they could sell for. So is the war for talent impacting our company? It absolutely is. Uh, we've seen our, our attrition rate, our voluntary attrition rate, uh, double uh, over, the, over, over the period of the pandemic. But doubling for us was going from 2% to 4%. Our competition... Uh, their attrition rates are in the 12 to 13 percent range, so we I'd say we're we're gaining on it. Uh, we we have lost some people. We've had some people leave and come back. Um, we're we're going to continue to be an attractive employer. We don't need to really make any knee jerk reactions to retain employees or to bring employees in, but we are offering greater flexibility for employees, and I think that's a key element today. We learned in the pandemic that we can work differently. Uh, people can work out of their homes part of the time, and people want that flexibility. So it's almost as valuable to them as their pay is today. So with the attrition rates higher at your competition, it's not that people are leaving to go to the competition. They're just having a cultural moment of whether they want to work or how they want to work. It's really the opportunities that are being presented to them. Uh, you know, we, we call it poaching. So we're, we're being poached by some competitors, but more, more often it's the technology companies that are looking for our more uh, deeply technological positions in the company, our, our data scientists and our, our mathematicians and people like that are the ones that are very attractive, and they're being offered incredible salaries in some cases, uh, and they can stay and live in Erie, Pennsylvania. So from entry-level jobs to top jobs, what kind of person are you looking for? I would say, you know, as I mentioned, the technology jobs are the ones that are, that are the ones that are uh, the wave of the future. So a lot of the more manual things that we've done as an organization, we've been able to programmatically uh, make them uh, digital. And so people that can, can create digital capability and people that can, can operate with digital capability, uh, the value of those, those roles is increasing in the organization. And so we're looking for uh, people in the data science arena. We're looking for people in the actuarial arena. Uh, we continue to look for educators. We're looking for recruiters. Okay, maybe something that's not that obvious. In this war for talent, people are hiring at an all-time high rate or trying to. It takes recruiters to do that. And we've lost several recruiters during this, this time frame as well. I think that Erie, Pennsylvania in particular, and many of our markets uh, know and have had a long-standing belief that Erie is a very difficult company to get into. Uh, I'll tell you that we have a great number of open positions, and if you think you can't get into the company, think again. Uh, now is a great time. Sorry I'm pitching on the program here, but now is a great time to apply to work for the company. It's, it it really, is, really is very interesting, though. I mean, young people today, they care about... Uh, the corporate philosophy of a company. Certainly we've seen companies talk about how they stepped up during the pandemic now, how they're stepping up with the Ukraine conflict too. I know you brought together a few different departments under Chris Marsh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, community outreach, uh, community development. So 
how are those things coming together and also making your company an attractive place to work? Yeah, Lisa, it's an interesting time. And you're right, employees, customers, regulators, uh, everybody is, is putting companies under intense scrutiny in terms of how we are doing more than just being a corporation and, and, and earning profits. How are we giving back to the communities that, that they're contributing to our success? And so bringing those functions together, the economic development, the, the community outreach, and diversity, equity, and inclusion was really an outgrowth of this. We want to demonstrate in a very cohesive fashion that we care about our communities, and not just Erie, Pennsylvania, but the other, the other 12 states that we operate in as well. And so we're making investments. Sometimes they're financial. Oftentimes they are volu you know, volunteer labor. You hear time, talent, and treasure. We are hitting on all those fronts, and it's very important for us. It's important for us because our employees want to partake in that, it's important for us because our employees and others want to see us do that as, as a, a kind of a measure of what kind of an organization we are. I was going to ask you if you're going to grow your employment numbers, but it sounds like you're just trying to get back to where you were before the pandemic. But we're going to talk about Erie Insurance's role in the Erie Refocus Long Range Plan that got the ball rolling on investing in the downtown core and how much support your workers as they come back are going to bring to all those projects and spaces. That's next. Stay with us. Welcome back again to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. We are talking with Tim Castro, president and CEO of Erie Insurance, getting some updates as they get ready to move back into that building downtown. So you were there. I remember seeing you in the audience and listening when Charles Buki came to the Jefferson and when the Erie Refocus Plan was really emerging. What's it like to talk about making change, encourage investment, and then actually see it happen downtown? Uh, Lisa, I would say, like many people in Erie, uh, when this was uh, first started, uh, there was a bit of uncertainty as to whether it would be successful or not. Now we're starting to see signs of success. And that, that part is very exciting. Uh, there have been a lot of people participating in this. Too many. I'm not going to mention any of them because if I do, I'll forget <laughs> to mention some of them. But it's, it's taken a village. Uh, and, and so we've had a lot of uh, opportunities that have come to fruition. Uh, I would say that Erie Insurance's role uh, as a lead organization has been really pivotal to that. Uh, and, you know, it's not Tim DeCastro's doings. It's, it's the accumulation of 97 years of success and being able to, to take a leadership role has enabled others to follow and, and help us out. We're going to show a little video and kind of talk through some of these things. We've seen the flagship city food hall come online. That was a very tough old series of buildings to renovate. Uh, it's really busy with people every time I go in there now, and I have been there quite a bit. Uh, but how much busier is it going to be when your employees are back? at lunchtime and after work? Well, if you think about uh, on any given day, uh, 2,000 to 2,500 more people being downtown than there are today, I think it's going to be very busy. I'm very excited about that. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, the, the grocery store that opened, the Whole Foods Co-op and the, the, the butcher shop, uh, Gordon's Butcher Shop there, and the Luminary Distillery had just opened. And I think that uh, we need to do a little more marketing for them. They're off to a bit of a, a, bit of a slow start. Uh, but we're not discouraged by that. It's going to take time for people to get comfortable shopping downtown. Um, we're going to do some things uh, to incent our employees to uh, visit the food hall and to visit the, the grocer uh, down there. Uh, and I think that others will follow suit as well. And there, I think there will be more people coming down into downtown than just our employees. I think when we come back, other, other businesses will open or open more uh, to a more extent, a greater extent than they are today. 
So I think the question is, is this going to be affordable, an affordable choice for people downtown? Obviously, there's some special exclusive things when you're talking about this kind of a food store, uh, but there's also staples there, too. Yeah, we, we work very closely with the Whole Foods Co-op, uh, John Persinger and his team. I uh, wanted to make sure that, you know, for instance, the, the residents of the Richford Arms would be able to afford the foods there. And so there are a variety of, op uh, of offerings there. I've myself browsed the store, and I'm not a, uh, I'm a price checker. I'm an accountant by training. So <laughs> I was looking at things to try and understand the affordability of some of the products there. And I would say that you won't experience uh, sticker shock when you're there. So uh, I visited that, too, as well. I, and also, you know, we're seeing the new building going up at Fifth and State where the climbing gym will be. And I understand that the apartments above... <coughs> North Park Row and the 5th and State Street uh, facilities, those are all rented now, 40, 42 living spaces? 42 apartments above 5th and State, the old uh, DeLuca's Variety Store, and all the, all the uh, apartments above uh, what used to be Sherlock's and Park Place. Uh, every one of those apartments is rented today, which is amazing. We do know some city council members you know, express concerns about gentrification, but Erie Insurance has <laughs> invested millions of dollars in upgrades for the Richford Arms, too. I had a chance to look inside that project last week. So why did that matter to you, seeing this improved, not only improved, but expanded too? Well, Lisa, it's one thing to say we're not looking to drive people out of downtown, but it's another thing to, to put our money where our mouth is. And so uh, Beacon Properties out of, out of Boston, uh, who, who bought the Richford Arms and a couple of other of the towers in Erie, the, the assisted living towers, uh, has really been a, a, a formidable partner. Uh, we've examined their work in other markets, including uh, Pittsburgh, they really do care about their residents, and so we were very, very confident to partner with them and, and put some investment in to help them and help induce them to do a great job of rebuilding and adding an addition on uh, for the residents here. We want downtown to be welcoming to everybody, and it's part of our commitment to diversity. I don't think I had <coughs> been in that building before in all the years that I have been in, in news, but it was really interesting to go up in the upper floors. There's some million-dollar views up there. It is amazing. There are developers who have talked about buying it and doing just that with it, but the residents, you know, residents deserve that type of view. Everybody deserves uh, to have, have their space, and the people there, um, I think, are going to feel so much better about their living arrangements when this is done, and they're going to be surrounded by so much uh, so much variety of things that they can partake in. Any other surprises you want to tell me about? I'm not sure if we know all the tenants that are going to be in the 5th and State Street building. Is that public? Well, we do know about the gym. There are others that we're talking to today, but none none that are, are signed up, so I don't want to pre-announce something and, and have it fall through. Come on, we want you to break news here. <laughs> all right, when we come back, we're going to look ahead because the Erie Insurance investment in Erie isn't finished, and we want to tell you more. Stay with us. Welcome back again to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. We're talking with Tim Nicastro, president and CEO of Erie Insurance. So we see a lot of work in progress downtown. Some things are finished. Some, some things, as we mentioned, the building at Fifth and State, brand new, still going up. But you are going to be also renovating the office building on Perry Square. And to say how old I am, I was there for the ribbon cutting of that <laughs> building when that was brand new, 80-something. Uh, so tell us uh, once, are, are, so people have not worked in that building through the pandemic e either. 
Uh, so once people are, are all in the new building, you are going to make some changes there. Yeah, actually, Lisa, the, the changes are underway right now. We have roughly a three-year renovation uh, program lined up for that building. It was constructed in 1983, and, and the major systems, the, the HVAC systems, the electric system, et cetera, have not been upgraded uh, significantly over that time frame. They've been well-maintained, uh, but the building is going to be... And, excuse me, this is what it will look like, right? Yes. Uh, the thing that will be most dramatic will be the entry. Uh, it'll be There will be a glass encasement uh, built where there currently is an external walkway into the building, and so it will make the entryway a lot more attractive. Uh, it will be able to give us a, a better ability to secure the building uh, for, for you know to make sure that the appropriate entrants are, are coming into the building. It'd be very attractive for our employees. Uh, very well lit. Uh, the building has tremendous bones and, and great features, and we're, we're preserving those things. But we're bringing in some new, uh, kind of a, a, a refreshed look. Um, honestly, if, as you walk from the new Hagen Building across the walkway into the Terry Square Building, all of a sudden it seems aged, and it never did before. So. Yeah, we want it to be an attractive place for our employees. And you mentioned that uh, passing through, you can really walk from one of your insurance building to another, from parking ramps without going outside in the winter. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you can make it from 8th Street to 4th Street and <laughs> never go outside. Um, also upgrading the auditorium there, which is used by the public sometimes as well. Yes, absolutely. It was a kind of a debate between Mr. Hagen and I. Uh, he, he was kind of, he, he liked the orange. It was a 1983 period color. And I thought we need to get eerie blue in there, so we are going with a blue theme. It took me a, took me a year or so to get him convinced of that. And also in the neighborhood, <laughs> you and your wife Lisa are chairing a capital campaign for the expansion of the Experience Children's Museum. I know there was talk about whether they would move from their home down to the Bayfront. Uh, we have a look at what that's going to look like as well. This is a fifteen million dollar capital campaign. Why did you want them to still be your neighbor? Well, I think it's really our neighbor, but also right in the heart of what's happening to transform downtown. Uh, oftentimes, the, uh, Ainsley Prozik, the executive director, said it's, it's tough for families to come down sometimes because when they come here, they have to go up to Peach Street to do other things. But now with the opening of the food hall and all the other different things that are opening up downtown, uh, Rita's ice cream is down there, et cetera. There's a lot of things that children will be able to do. And EDDC and the Erie Downtown Partnership are going to create greater ac activity in Terry Square. So there really be, will be a lot for children to do downtown. And I think that's why Ainsley decided that was the best location for them. Well, this conversation has gone quickly. We're down to about the last minute here. So I know some of the investment is bearing fruit. How long will it take all of this investment to bear fruit? And what does that look like for you? Erie growing again, growing its population? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the desired outcomes is we want to create vibrancy and density. And, uh, you know, population growth has a lot of great benefits that trickle down. Uh, it will create greater economic development and greater opportunity for growth and economic development. And I think the key for Erie is to, to keep an eye on and stay focused on serving the diverse population that we've become. We have so many new Americans and so many underserved parts of our population. We have to do this uh, with the mindset that this needs to raise everybody's uh, fortunes. Well, it's always great to have you as a guest. Nice to have you in person with no masks on. Best wishes on the return to that new building in April. I hope you'll keep us posted about that. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lisa. Absolutely. And as always, thank you for joining us on The Insider. If you have an idea you'd like us to explore, just email me at ladams at and join us again next time for The Insider.